John verse 5 and verse 6. If we can read that together, reading it out loud, beginning in verse number 5. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that, as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. Let's pray. Father, again, we're thankful for each one that's here. Lord, we know that some of our folks are away. We pray, give them safety and good health where they're at. I'm sure there are some that are still dealing with colds and sickness, and we pray you'd help them to mend quickly. But Lord, we thank you for each one that's here. Father, we pray as we look into these two verses, help us to understand what the Apostle John wrote so many years ago. And I'm sure as helpful as it was then that it can help us today. I pray that you direct my words, fill me with your spirit, and Father, would you please speak through me to help each one we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As you know, this is the fourth message now from Second John. The very first week, we looked at who this letter was written to. And we know it was written to an unnamed lady. We know that she was a child of God. She was saved. We know that she uh, certainly, uh, she, uh, she was loved greatly by people the second week, as we looked at Second John, we found a word that was repeated five times in the first four verses, and that word was truth. And so each of those five times talks about a continual step in our pathway of truth. Remember from last week, we looked at a word that showed up three times, and that word was walk. You know, once you get saved... That's not the end of God's plan for your life. That's merely the beginning of your Christian walk. And we looked at that preacher. What are we looking at today? Well, you know, in verse number five and verse six, we find that there's a word that's repeated two times. Would you look there at the end of verse number five? The Bible says that we love one another. And then in the beginning of verse six, and this is love that we walk after his commandments. Both of these verses use a, a word that is so familiar to us, and that's the word love. I'd like to preach this morning on a Christian's love. Quite honestly, that, uh, that term of love, that's not by any means new to John. John, of course, wrote five books. We know that John wrote the Gospel of John. And you know, in the Gospel of John, John uses that word love 57 times. I'm saying the word love isn't new to John's writing. In the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 12, this is my commandment that ye love one another as I've loved you. Also in John, chapter 15, verse 17, these things I command you that ye love one another. So the word love is a common word in the Gospel of John. That word love uh, is found in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. It's found 52 times. Certainly, John used it plenty in these little epistles, 1st uh, John 3.23. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. 1st John chapter number 4, verse 8, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. So 57 times in the Gospel of John, 52 times in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. 
Then in the book of Revelation, we find it uh, six more times. When uh, John was writing uh, Revelation 2.4, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. You find in John's writing, love, 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 love. So where do you go with this? Do you know what John is saying as he's writing to this woman? He's saying to her that amongst all that you do for God, make sure that this attribute of love is still intertwined in everything that you do. It's important that we have right doctrine, yes, of course. But right doctrine without love can hurt people. Do you know it's important that we have the right standards and convictions? But to have standards and convictions without love will still fall short. It's important that we gather regularly with God's people. But even to be in the house of God and not have love falls short. It's important that we try to get the gospel out to people not saved. I'm saying to you what John is reminding this woman who's in church, believes God, holds to the right doctrine. He's saying to her, you need to make sure that intertwined into everything that you do is this attribute of love. If you remember, and we won't turn to it for sake of time, but back in Matthew 22, the Bible says that some Pharisees came up to Jesus and they had a question for our Lord that they were sure would stump them. They were sure that even he wouldn't be able to answer. Well, preacher, what was their question? Their question in Matthew 22, verse 36, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? They were trying to get Jesus Christ to name one commandment above all the rest and say that that one commandment rose above all the rest. Now, in the Bible, when we think of that word commandments, we often think of the Ten Commandments. But you know, the truth is, in those first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, there's not just ten, there's 613 commandments. So they were trying to compel our Lord to name one that rose to the top of all 613. I'm sure glad they were asking the Lord that question and weren't asking you and me. They were sure they'd stump him. And yet our Lord, without any hesitation, answered. And our Lord said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Our Lord, without any hesitation, said you need to love God with all your heart. And secondly, you need to love your neighbor as thyself. Do you understand? To follow those two, you have to love. And so again this morning, we're going to chase down this truth about a Christian's love. And I dare say, no matter what you do for God, and no matter what you know about God, in all of that, there has to be this virtue of love. You know, the Bible tells us when you get saved immediately at that moment, not only is your name written in heaven, not only are you bound to that place called heaven for eternity, but the Bible says that the Holy Spirit indwells you. 
And from that moment, if he is given the liberty, he begins to bear the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And you know that the very first fruit, but the fruit of the Spirit, the very first fruit, it says, is love. Again, let's see what we can learn this morning about a Christian's love. Do you know, have you ever wondered why when God created you, why God didn't take you immediately to that place called heaven? Why would he leave us on this earth for 60, 70, 80 years instead of taking us immediately to heaven? Maybe it's because he knew it would take us that long to learn this importance of love. As far as God is concerned, our life down here is not measured by acquisition. It's not measured by the things that we accumulate. As far as God's concerned, our life down here is not measured by accomplishment. It's not measured by all the things that we get to do. Our life down here is measured by achievement, how far we can climb the ladder of success. Instead, our life is measured by love. We're not going to take our careers to heaven. We're certainly not going to take our cars to heaven. We're not going to take our cash to heaven. In fact, uh, we'll not be rewarded in heaven for any of the material things that we find uh, so desperately trying to hoard. All we're going to take is what we've loved and who we've loved and that we loved. Again, this morning, let's find out about a Christian's love. Look there, if you would, in verse number 5. 2 John, verse number 5. John writes, And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. Do you know if you take the first five words of that verse 5, and the last five words of that verse 5, what you end up in verse 5 is, Now I beseech thee that ye love one another. Could I begin, if you're taking notes on a Christian's love, could I say a Christian's love is commanded? A Christian's love is commanded. It, this isn't just a good idea. This isn't just a neat idea that we love God and love people. It's a command. Look again at verse 5. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, he began by saying, I'm begging you. That's that word beseech. That word beseech means begging. When Paul wrote there in Romans 12, verse 1, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, Paul was saying, I'm begging you. It's kind of like Paul was on his hands and knees trying to reason with Christians. I'm begging you because of all that God has done, that you give your bodies a living sacrifice. That's beseech in Romans 12. Well, here we find that same word beseech in 2 John verse 5. And John is saying, and now I beseech thee. He said at the end of verse number 5 that we love one another. So John is saying, listen, I'm begging of you that you make this a part of your life. But he uses a word that's even stronger than beseech. Right in the middle of verse number five, he uses the word commandment. So folks, this idea of loving God, this idea of loving people, it's not just a neat idea. It's not just a, 
worthy ambition. I say, first of all, a Christian's love is commanded. John knew that none of us will accomplish everything in our life on this earth. John knew that there were some things that other people would say in their life that they accomplished that John would never be able to say in his life that he accomplished. So John is trying to reason with this lady. He's trying to say to her, if you and I won't accomplish everything in our life on this earth, then we are forced to make a priority. We're forced to make a priority of something that's more important than doing everything in this life while we're on this earth. And he said, you know what the priority should be? Love. He said, you need to make a priority of loving God. You need to make a priority of loving people. He said, love should be right at the top of the list. Love should be right at the top of the priorities. If you don't get anything else done, make sure you get this love thing done. Again, I say to you, first thing, a Christian's love is commanded. Well, pastor, if love is commanded, what are we supposed to love? Who are we supposed to love? You're in 2 John. Please keep that. Back up there to 1 John, the book right before it. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19. Pastor, who are we supposed to love? What are we supposed to love? 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. If, if you'd write this little list of things that we're to love, could I suggest the very first that we're to love is we're to love the Savior. Certainly with all that the Lord has done for us, shouldn't we love him? He went to the cross of Calvary and laid his life down on that cross for you and for me. Certainly with all that Jesus has done for us, we ought to love him. That loving God is something that we find throughout the scriptures. In fact, Jesus said this, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven: 37, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. So we begin by saying that a Christian's love is commanded preacher. What are we to love? First of all, we're to love the Savior. Now, if you're saved this morning, that means that sometime in the past, you believed in the Savior. But you know, to believe in the Savior and to love that Savior is two different things. It's just like to be married to a woman, sir, is different than to be in love with that woman. Or, ladies, to be married to a man is quite different than loving that man. How many times have I had premarital counseling with some that are getting ready to be married, and some of that is some of you? And one of the first questions that I ask is, do you love him? Or do you love her? And, uh, of course, there's, yes, <laughs> absolutely, why would you ask? Well, it's important. You can marry someone and not love them. You can be married to someone and not love them. I think that there are some people that loved the Lord when they first got saved, but they've fallen out of love. They're upset with God. 
They're upset with God because something that God allowed to happen in their life. They're angry with God because God hasn't done for them what they have begged God to do for them. And so I say believing in the Savior and loving the Savior are two completely different things. Now, if that's true, and I think it is, do you love the Savior? Do you love him? Do you ever tell him, Lord, I sure love you. You've been so good to me. God, I love you. We're looking at the fact that a Christian's love is commanded. Preacher, who should we love? I think we should love the Savior. Pastor, who else should we love? Well, you know, not only should we love the Savior, but I think, secondly, we should love the Scriptures. You know, everything that we know about God comes from this book, the Bible. And so I think we should love the Bible. You know, David did. In fact, the psalmist David wrote this. He said, Psalm 119, verse 140, Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. That same David wrote, Psalm 119, verse 97, Oh, how I love thy law, it is my meditation all the day. We're trying to put together a little list. If, if a Christian's love is commanded, Pastor, what should we love? Who should we love? I think we should love the Savior. I think we should love the Scriptures. Say, so, well, how would I know if I, you'd read it? And you know, say, Pastor, I've already read it. Once? You know, when my wife and I were courting, we would write letters back and forth. When she'd write me a love letter, I didn't just read it once. I read it again and again and again. That's just something about a letter that you love. You read the Word of God this morning? So I've already read it. I, I, I read it years ago, Pat. Why, I think you should love the Savior and love the Scriptures. There's something else, I think, in this list of things we ought to love. I think that we ought to love the sanctuary. These are all S's. I think we ought to love the house of God. If, if, if you're here because your wife made you come, there are better reasons to come to church. If you're here because your parents, your husband, your... I think you ought to love the house of God. David certainly did. David said in Psalm 26, verse 8, Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house. David loved to go to the house of God. And he says, and the place where thine honor dwelleth, David loved God's house. In fact, David said this, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Do you know, David, you say, well, yeah, but David was a king. David didn't need a lofty position in the house of God to love the house of God. He just loved going to the house of God. In fact, David said this over there in Psalm chapter 84, verse 10, for, the, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand, I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. He said, I don't need a position. I just love God's house. Now, we're trying to chase down a Christian's love. And we're beginning with a Christian love is commanded. Preacher, okay, I'm convinced love is an important characteristic. Pastor, what are we supposed to love? I think we ought to love the Savior. 
I think we ought to love the scriptures. I think we ought to love the sanctuary. You know, do you love the house of God? So, Pastor, not really. <laughs> we could kind of tell that because you're hardly ever here. I think you ought to love the Savior. I think you ought to love the scriptures. I think you ought to love the sanctuary. I think you ought to love the saints. I think you ought to love God's people. In fact, uh, you're, you, if you head back there to 2 John again, it's only one chapter. 2 John, uh, as John is writing to this, this lady, John writes this, look there again at 2 John chapter 1, verse 5. He said, Now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. John's talking about loving the saints. See, I'll preach her, some saints are just hard to love. I'll agree with that. Many years ago, somebody said a statement to me that I've never forgotten. It's hard to hug a porcupine. How many would agree with that? The folks, some people, when you're around, it's, they're like a porcupine. I mean, you can't say, boy, isn't it a beautiful day? Well, it rained last night. Yeah, but we need some rain, but we didn't get enough rain. Yeah, but isn't, just, isn't it great to see the sun out? It's burning my grass. <laughs> there are some people, you can't say a kind word without them responding with just a, just a bitter word. But, you know, we're still supposed to love them. And it, it might be you're the only one that puts a smile on their face. Pastor, I'm not putting a smile on their face because they never smile. Preacher, who are we supposed to love? I think we ought to love the Savior. I think we ought to love the Scriptures. I think that we ought to love the sanctuary. I think we ought to love the saints. This idea of loving the saints, how many times it goes through. I, I know you're in 2 John. Look back there in 1 John 4. 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 21. John wrote, This commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. That's the saints. Look there in 1 John 5 and verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and every one that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. That's believers. John is reminding this woman, it's so important that you love. Love is commanded. Well, who? I think you ought to love the Savior. I think you ought to love the uh, uh, Scriptures. And I think you ought to love the sanctuary. I think you ought to love the saints. Could I give you one more in this list of who to love? I think you ought to love sinners. You see, a preacher, if, if saints are hard to love, Sinners are ten times hard. That might be true. But you'd have to agree that God loves sinners. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God loves sinners. You'd have to agree that Jesus loved sinners. In fact, Jesus loved sinners, including you and me, so much that he said, I love you this much as he was nailed to the cross of Calvary. Now, if our Lord loves sinners, I think we ought to love sinners too. And it might be that your love, my love, in a sinner's life is what's going to love them to Calvary. I say, first of all, back there in 2 John chapter number 1, we learn 
about a Christian's love, that a Christian's love is commanded. Could I give you a second thing? Look there in 2 John, verse number 5. Paul says, sorry, John says, And I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. Not only do we find here in 2 John that a Christian's love is commanded, but if you're taking notes, could I give you a second thing? A Christian's love is commended. In other words, if you indeed do love the Savior and love the Scriptures and love the sanctuary and love the saints and love sinners, God has some great things to say about you. The Bible has some great things to say about you. I say a Christian's love is commended. You might not be the sharpest knife in the drawer. <laughs> you might not be the brightest bulb on the ceiling. You might not be the fastest. You might not have all the Bible questions figured out. You might not be the tallest, the handsomest. You, you might not rise to the top in any other virtue. But you know, if you love people and if you love God, God commends you for that. There was a woman one time that came to Jesus, and she was a sinner. Jesus was in someone else's home. They were trying to be a perfect host to our Savior. And this woman of ill repute came into that home. And when she walked into that home, uh, I'm sure the people around that table where Christ was gasped because they knew the reputation of that woman. And that woman got down on her hands and knees and, and with her tears she washed the feet of Christ. And then with her hair she dried his feet. And the people around that table couldn't believe that Jesus would allow a woman like that to do that to him. Jesus began to talk to them about the fact that when he came into their home, they offered him no water. No water to wash his hands, no water to wash his feet. But he said, this woman has. And Jesus made a statement that she has loved me most. Jesus was commending her love. I say that we learn from 2 John that a Christian's love is commanded. We learn from 2 John that a Christian's love is commended. And regardless of what you and I might not be able to do, Pastor, I, I can't do that. Lord, I, I'm just not equipped. Lord, I can't. Set aside all those things that you have convinced yourself that you can't do. If you love, God commends you for that. Say, preacher, why is it that loving is just so very important? Uh, could I give you, again, five little things if you write this down? First of all, loving is commended because love validates our faith. Love validates our faith. You know, loving ourself is a natural thing. In fact, Paul said this in Ephesians 5.29, 
For no man yet ever hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it. Most of us pamper our flesh. Most of us pamper ourselves. I, I, looking at most of you, you took more than 20 seconds in front of a mirror this morning. Some of you, much more. Why? It's natural to love yourself. Do you know it's unnatural to love other people? Uh, you say, well, they're my family. Okay, maybe it's natural to love your family. Maybe it's natural to love close friends. But you know it's unnatural to love people that you've never met before? It's unnatural to love people that are strangers. It's unnatural to love people that hurt you. It's unnatural to love people that snub you. For you to love, regardless of who those people are, that validates your faith. What do I mean by that? I was on the computer this week. It was a government site. And I was trying to get the government to include me in something. And so it asked for my first name and last name, and I typed those things in, my birthday and all the rest of that. And, and it wouldn't believe just that. It wouldn't believe that I was Rob Carlson because I said I was Rob Carlson. I had to give this detail and that detail and that detail. I had to give some documents that validated who I was. If you go to a bank, I won't help you today, they're all closed, but if you go to a bank tomorrow, if I went to a bank tomorrow, and I said, my name's Robert Carlson, I'd like to take $1,000 out of my account. <laughs> What's your account number? And so I slide a piece of paper across, and this is my account number. They said, and who are you again? Well, I'm Robert Carlson. They're going to say, prove it. And so I'm going to take out my wallet and take out my bank card, put my bank card, because only I should have that bank card, put my bank card in there and type this pin in there. They're not going to give me what I'm asking them to give me until I validate who I am. Take that over to the scriptures. Pastor, why is loving so commendable because you're loving people regardless of who they are it validates your faith lost people don't love everybody they only love those that are close to them but for you to love everybody it validates your faith it's evidence that there has been a supernatural God that's done a supernatural work in your heart. Pastor, why is loving so commended? First of all, because love validates our faith. Do you know there are many today that claim that they're Christians? Well, politicians claim they're Christians so they can get the Christians' vote. Many of the stars, be they music stars or Hollywood stars, in certain circumstances, they'll claim that they're a Christian. Folks, anybody can claim that they're a Christian. But you find one of these who makes that claim, 
And there is this evidence of love that's just abounding in their life. Pastor, why is love so commended? Because first of all, it validates their faith. Uh, loving shows all who watch you that you're on the saved side of the cross instead of on the lost side of the cross. You're there in 2 John. Look there in 1 John chapter number 3. I'm trying to drive this home that love validates our faith. It confirms that indeed we're a believer. Who does it confirm to? Well, look there in 1 John 3 and verse 14. 1 John 3 and verse 14, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brother. Do you know when you love people that are just hard to love, when you love people that the rest of the world is just trying to push back from, get away from me, that 1 John 3, 14 says your love validates your faith to you. Look again in verse 14. Look at who we're talking about. 1 John 3, 14, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. So, preacher, who does our loving validator, first of all, validates it to you. That's what Christians wrestle with. I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if it was just words that I repeated. I don't know if I'm really born again. How would I know, Pastor? One of the ways you're going to know is you love people. And even hard, hard to love people. It validates it to you. You don't need First John, but I need you to turn to John, the Gospel of John. Look there if you would, John chapter 13. Pastor, you're saying that love is commended because love validates our faith. John chapter 13. Who does our loving validate our faith to? Well, first of all, it validates your faith to you. You're going to know because God has done this supernatural work in, in your heart. Well, you turn to John 13. Uh, we support one of the missionaries. One of the first missionaries we ever took on was Bob and Marie Ford. They traveled church to church to raise funds for the printing of Bibles all around the world. So Bob and Marie Ford, they, they represent Bearing Precious Seed Bible Printing Ministry. Well, Bob Ford gave the testimony when he was at our church many years, 32 years ago. He said, you know what, before I got saved, I had a reputation that I hated people. I just hated people. He said, I hated my own wife. I hated my children. People were afraid of me. But he said, when I got saved, God did something in my heart. And instead of hating people, I began to love people. And he said, that's how I knew that God had done something in my heart. That's how I knew that I was part of the family of God. That's how I knew that I was a child of God. In fact, he said, every morning, he said, I would start my day. I'd go to the living room and sit on the couch and take out my Bible, and he said, I'd read it. And he said, you have to remember, my children were afraid of me. 
he said, I could see anything. He said, I, I could hit them without any notice. They cowered when they were around me. But Bob Ford said, you know, when I got saved, God did something in there. And he said, every morning I'd, I'd, I'd sit down on the couch and I'd open up my Bible, put it on my lap, and I'd begin to read it. And he said, I noticed that my children, my little children who were afraid of me, he said, they'd kind of look around the corner and they'd see their daddy reading his Bible. They said they'd kind of sneak into the living room and they'd sit on the further end of that couch. And as he keeps reading, they'd, they'd move closer and closer to him. Finally, they're just sitting right beside him, almost, almost in the way of him reading his Bible. And he said, you know what? They never used to do that. And he said, one time I looked down at my son. And he said, son, I'm, I'm so glad you came out and said, Daddy, I love you. And he said, son, I, I love you too. And that little boy said, I know. And that little boy chalked it, because the boy wasn't saved yet. That little boy chalked out, chalked up the change in his father to that Bible. Because now he saw his dad read that Bible every day, every day, every day. And that little boy was convinced that it was that Bible that changed his dad. We know different. We know it's God. I'm saying your love validates your faith, not only to yourself, but you're in John 13. Look there in John 13, verse 35. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one to another. Not only your love in your heart for God and your love in your heart for people will validate your faith to you, but you know, it'll validate your faith to others. I give you a second thing, why love is so commended. And the second thing, not only love validates our faith, but if you're taking notes, secondly, love integrates our life. Love integrates our love. Do you know that everybody and everybody here has a dominant life principle? I've pastored now for 33 years. I have listened to preaching almost all my life. And you know, as you listen to preaching, you find that every preacher tends to have a dominant truth that his messages come back to. Some, their messages always come back to separation, always. For some, their preaching always makes it way it, itself back to soul winning. For, for some, their, their preaching always makes itself back to a walk with God, and a close walk with God, surrender. Everybody has a dominant truth. Do you know that if you love God and if you love people, that will integrate itself into everything that you do in life. Every decision that you make, love will steer it. Every choice that you make, love 
will be the driving factor in it. I say to you, first of all, love validates our faith. Secondly, love integrates our life. It's found in every area of our life. Could I give you a third thing, and this should excite you if you're awake. Uh, love compensates, so a few people just woke up, love compensates for sin. What does that mean? Do you know if you love God and if you love people, when you mess up, when you fail, when you falter, people will know that what you just did was wrong. But they'll also know, but he loves God. And somehow your loving God and your loving people will compensate when you fail and when you falter. I, let me give an illustration here. I, I've, I've always taken a second look there in Acts chapter 13. We won't turn to it. But in Acts chapter 13, we read about David. Do you know the Bible says about David that he was a man after God's own heart? And quite honestly, reading that, we, we that know the Bible, we step back and say, now hold on a minute. What do you mean David was a man after God's own heart? He committed adultery. He, he tried to get a man drunk. He arranged to have Uriah killed. That, that hardly sounds like a man that's after God's own heart. Do you know when David did all those things? When, when David blew it, when David fell into sin, when, when David plotted Uriah's death, God knew he sinned, but God said, but he loves me. And he loves people. And I still have to judge David, and David suffered fourfold for his sin. But God chose to let David still live. Because David loved God. I'm saying love compensates for our sin. Now, that's not a license to sin. Right, let, me give you another, let me give you a New Testament example. Peter. Oh, how often Peter put his foot in his mouth. <laughs> how often Peter so quickly said something and later realized, oh, I wasn't too smart. And then to cap it all off when Jesus was arrested... And Peter is warming his hands at that fire. And those people come and say, weren't you one of... No. <laughs> well, yeah, it didn't, didn't we see you? No. <laughs> and finally, the third thing, I'm sure that I've seen you. And what does Peter do? He begins to curse and to swear. Folks, all that was wrong. All of that was wrong. And that's why Peter raced out there and wept bitterly. Well, hold on a minute. How is it that 50 days, we're not even talking two months, 50 days after that, God lets Peter stand up in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost and preach, and 3,000 people get saved. <laughs> Don't you and I look at God and say, Lord, let John preach that message and bless it. Let, let, 
Let James preach that message and bless it. Goodness me, let Philip preach that message. Not Peter. God, why would you bless Peter after what Peter did? Because God knew that Peter loves me. Peter makes mistakes. Peter makes poor judgments. But Peter loves me. I say, preacher, why is loving God and loving people so commendable? Well, we've already seen that love validates your faith. Secondly, love integrates our life. But third, love compensates for sin. And folks, if you just love God, it's not if you're going to mess up. It's when you're going to mess up. God's going to see it. God's going to say, yeah, that, that Carlson, that wasn't right. But I know your heart. And I know you love me. And I know you love people. And I do have to deal with you about that, that thing. But I can just be a little bit easier because you love me. Pastor, I don't understand that. Peter did. Peter said this late in his life. Peter wrote, I'm trying to find my verse. Peter recognized that God had been easy on Peter in spite of Peter's denial. Because Peter wrote this, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8. Peter said, above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves... For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Love just has a way of, of making it just a little bit lighter when God has to deal with our failures. Love is commanded. We're to love the Savior. We're to love the Scriptures. We're to love uh, the sanctuary. We're to love the saints. We're to love sinners. Not only is love commanded, love is commended. Why is it such a big deal that we love God and love people? Because love validates our faith. Love, uh, my second word, love integrates into our whole life. Third, love compensates for our sin. Do you know, it's, it's, it's hard to help people if you don't love people. You can't be a, a successful Sunday school teacher if you don't love those children. You can't be a fruitful youth worker if you don't love those teens. You can't, you can't be an effective pastor if you don't love. You can't be an effective parent if you don't love those children. I say third, we have found out that love compensates for sins. And then, fourth thing, if you'd write this down, love reverberates forever. You ever been to a cave? You know, when you go into a cave, uh, our family's been on vacation from time to time and paid to go into a cave, and so they take you down, 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 down. And just, it's just a huge thing. And you know when you're in a cave and you say, hi, it doesn't say hello. It, it says hi, 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 hi. That's reverberation. Do you know when, when you love people, that love is going to come back? It's just going to, I say, fourth, love reverberates forever. 
just as your voice in a cave will echo back the same thing. Love extended will echo love back to you. We know Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. We understand that. If you hate people, it'll come back. If, if you love people, it'll come back. Do you know how long it'll come back? Listen to the next verse, Galatians 6, verse 8. The Bible says, He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Pastor, why is it so important that I love? Because you will reap love back the rest of your life, and you'll even reap it into eternity. Love is commanded. I say love is commended. We've seen love validates our faith, love integrates into our whole life, love compensates for sin, love reverberates forever. Do you know on your deathbed, and we're hoping it's not today for you and today for me, but you know on your deathbed, no one on their deathbed says, bring my bowling trophy. <laughs> you say, I wouldn't say that because I've never got a bowling trophy. No one says that. No one on their deathbed says, hey, bring my favorite hammer. No one says that. No one says, bring my keys to my Corvette. No one talks about things when they come to the end of their life. You know what they talk about? People. People that they love. And that's why most people on their deathbed say, bring, bring my family. Bring my children, bring those little grandbabies here. Why is love so commendable? Because love, love, the rest of your life, it reverberates that back to you. I've given you one, love is commanded. I've given you two, love is commended. Can I give you the last thing? Back there to 2 John, there in verse number 6. 2 John and verse number 6. The Bible says in 2 John, verse 6, and this is love, that we walk after his commandments. Can I give you the last thing? A Christian's love is qualified. A Christian's love is qualified. What does that mean? Just because you love something doesn't make it right. It's got to be qualified. Two people that live together, never been married, shacked up. Well, preacher, it, it's okay because we love each other. It's not okay to God. Do you know, if it's the right kind of love, it will be in line with the scriptures. Look again at verse 6. 2 John verse 6, and this is love that we walk after his commandments. If the kind of love that you and I are expressing in this is right, in this life, it's going to be in line with the Word of God. Some people, when you talk about love, they think of food. I love steak. I love shrimp. I love caviar. I love hamburgers. I love fries. Some people, when you talk about love, they think of fast cars, Ferraris and Corvettes and Camaros and Jaguars. 
Some people, when you talk about love, they think of fashion. I love my wardrobe. I love my shoes, my jewelry. Some people, when you talk about love, it's, it, it's, it's their time that they spent with some person. But you know, if it's a love that God can bless, it's going to be in line with God's word. That's why I say the third thing, a Christian's love is qualified. If you're pursuing God's kind of love, it's not a license to do anything you want. Well, preacher, it's got to be right because I love it. That doesn't make it right. What makes it right is if it's in line with Scripture. I say to you, the third thing in Christian's love is qualified. John isn't giving this lady a license to pamper her flesh with every kind of luxury and say it's okay because you love to do it. To the contrary, John is pressing her to pursue it if it's in line with what God said. Since love is so often misunderstood, the Apostle Paul defines love as it has to be after his commandments. And John told us this, and now he tells us this again. And you know, the very fruit, verse, first fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. I say, Pastor, I just, I just love it. Hold on, what, what does the Bible say about that? I'm trying to say to you that this verse 5 and 6 is all about a Christian's love. You know, a Christian's love is commanded. I want, do you love people? Do you love God? Do you tell them? A Christian's love is commanded. A Christian's love is commended. But a Christian's love is qualified. It has to be in line with what the Word of God says. Love made a difference in our life because God loved us. He turned our upside-down life upside right. Thank God for God's love. But you know, people's love can make a difference in our life. Write about this Christian woman. She was starting a Sunday school class in her church. They were in the inner city, and so she figured what she'd do an hour before church started. She would go up and down the streets of her city. She'd find children that were playing, and some were playing in the mud, and some weren't very orderly, and, and some were screaming and making a lot of noise. But because she loved, it didn't matter to her what they looked like, what they did. One by one, she went to children, and she said, I'm having a Sunday school in an hour. Would you come? Some said yes, some said no. She found some hard ones and some easy ones and some pleasant ones and some difficult ones. But then she found a, a little guy that was all dressed up, shirt and a tie. And he was standing out in front of his front door. And she said to him, she said, son, I'm having a Sunday school and now it's a half an hour. Would you come? And he said, well, I already go to Sunday school. And she said, it kind of looks like that. But she said, would you come to mine? And she, he said, no. And she said, well, where do you go to Sunday school? And uh, he said, you know, it's cross town. And he said, I'm waiting for my ride, and I'm going to go to that. And 
She said, why would you go across town to a Sunday school when you could go to a Sunday school that's right here in your block? Ours is a bigger Sunday school. Ours is a funner Sunday school. Ours is a Sunday school that offers more treats, plays more games. Why would you go across the city for a Sunday school there when you could go to a Sunday school right here? Now listen, this little guy didn't know this woman from the woman in the moon. He didn't know her. But you know what he said to her? He said, I to go that distance for that Sunday school because they loved me when I looked like all the rest of these children on this block. They loved me when I was like that. I can't forget that kind of love. You know, Christians love, it's commanded. A Christian's love is commended. A Christian's love is qualified. You might be able to go to a bigger place. You might be able to go to a place that has more bells and whistles. But don't go to a place just because it's bigger. Just because it's better. You need love. Because love will make a difference in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Here in verse 5 and 6, John talked to this lady. And we're going to guess that he met her in a church somewhere he had preached. He really was taken back by her character. And he reminded her of everything that you do for God. Make sure that love is intertwined in all of it. And Lord, I think that we could take uh, some advice along that same lines. Doesn't matter what position we have. Doesn't matter what responsibilities that we carry. Doesn't matter whether we have a title or don't have a title at all. Lord, it doesn't matter what we know. It doesn't matter who we know. What matters is, is love through and through in what we do. Lord, we've been reminded this morning that love is commanded. Lord, we need love because God commands us to do so. I think we need to love the Savior and love the Scriptures, love the sanctuary, and love the saints, and love sinners. But then, Lord, we found out that when a person loves, that's commended. It's commended because it's evidence that God is alive and working in our lives. But Lord, to say something is okay because I love it, that's not true. Love is qualified. It's got to be in line with the scriptures. And Lord, just as much as your love for us made a difference eternally in our lives, would you help us to love? Would you help us to love people, even people that are hard to love? Teach us to love. Help us to love.